Welcome to Average Joe Meets the UK's Everyday Entrepreneurs, where we talk to all kinds of business owners across the country about how they got started and what it's really like to run their business, so that we can learn and be inspired to start something of our own. Please welcome Shirley White, who whilst working in banking and finance for many years, had a chance conversation with a boss at the time, who mentioned he thought she had the skills and drive to run her own business, and it got her thinking about what sort of business that could be. Shirley is now the owner of OTC Drinks, which produces premium non-alcoholic beverages based on traditional Caribbean flavours. These include sorrel, lime juice with butterfly, pea flower, and of course, ginger beer. The drinks are both available online on OTC's website, otcbeverages.com, and its social media sites, and also in over 30 independent retail outlets across London. OTC Drinks has received lots of industry recognition and awards, and that includes the highest possible grading by the Great British Food Award judges. But how do you go about building a drinks business in such a competitive marketplace, from the production through to building a brand? Let's find out from Shirley and her OTC journey so far. Hello Shirley. Good afternoon Joe. how are you? I'm very good, I'm very good. It's very good to talk to you today. Uh, we've had um, Ollie at Craft Metropolis talking about the business of beer, but now it's time for the business of non-alcoholic drinks to take the stage with OTC Beverages. Really pleased you could come on. Um, first question, um, what does OTC stand for? Um, good question. It stands for a number of things. So I have two children, uh, Omari and Tyrone, and I also have okay, a nephew. A clue. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have a nephew called Corey. So uh, I took their Aww. initials and uh, said OTC. It's also the um, original taste of the Caribbean. Um, I used to okay. work. <laughs> I used to work in the city. So um, it pays homage to the over-the-counter trading and uh, the drink can be bought over the counter as well. And then it's the original taste of the Caribbean. Oh, I like that. That's a bit of personal. There's a bit of heritage there and a bit of kind of banking reference. (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. Okay, we'll go straight into it. I know there's a bit of an, well, on your website, there's a bit of a story about the inspiration of OTC, but I know you also worked in banking for quite a while so it'd be great to sort of work understand your life before and how you sort of went on this journey uh, to set up OTC. Yeah um, I've been in banking since the late 80s finance and banking so um, I used to work for a company that um, called Tellerate they've now been integrated into Refinitiv they're now called so Reuters ex-Reuters Thompson Reuters or whatever Um, So um, I started working on a platform that was a touchscreen FX trading platform, um, which had straight through processing for um, FX trade, which was an interesting concept back in the late 80s. If you think that you're speaking to traders who had been in the business for like 20 years of banging on, you know, teletext buttons and you know, print and stuff. And then you go in there and you speak to them and you say to them, right, you're going to be able to do a cable trade and you touch this button, it matches your counterparties, it goes straight through to the back office, middle office, matches everything, boom, you're done. And they look at you as if to say, <laughs> they, they weren't, they, 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 yeah, exactly. They, they weren't very, um, uh, 
sort of like um, their the choice of words was rich, <laughs> as it were, um, because you were dealing with traders that were, you know, uh, Essex boys and, and stuff like that, and also brokers as well. I was going to say, pretty male-dominated male do- male back very, in the day as well. And, very, yeah. very male-dominated, very male-dominated industry, um, very sort of like, you know, hierarchical and, you know, like the big boys and... Uh, they they were very pampered, as it were. So I was I was in the city um, at a time when it was very different to what it is today. And you were in, were you in sales? Was that your sort of area? So you'd sort of used to kind of pitching and prospecting. So I I prior to the to the city, I used to work in the council and also for government. But when I when I first started working at um, Telluride, it was in customer services. So I worked my way from actually answering calls and getting to know the product and taking apart PCs and understand, understanding ROM and RAM and all the technical elements associated, both soft and hard, with um, with uh, with tech. Um, <clears throat> But uh, then I moved into sales, um, and uh, that that's where I've got I got my you know cut my teeth on you know the networking, communications, and pitching, and all of that sort of stuff. And we got we got trained as well um, about selling and uh, you know when to close and all that good stuff. So yeah, that's that's where I cut my teeth really. And then having to skip over kind of quite a few years of work and learning and life, um, how did it? Uh, how did sort of OTC get conceived? What was that sort of? Where were you at that time? So I, um, uh, you're right. It's a number of years because you're talking over thirty years that I've been in the industry. But uh, <laughs> so I. I finished a contract at um, HSBC. It was, a, it was a huge contract, actually. And um, when the contract ended, I went for a drink with one of the managing directors. Um, and um, in the course of conversation, he said to me, you know, Shirley, you should start your own business. I mean, I did have my own business because I had my own limited company and I'd sell out my services, but it was a different kind of business mm-hmm. that he was saying that I should do. So um, I, at the time when he said it, I didn't understand what that actually meant and what that business would be. Um, but I came up with two ideas as to where I thought there was a gap in the market to basically look at doing something and see whether it would actually stick. And that's where OTC and- was born. So had you not thought about it yourself? It was almost this conversation where he was highlighting, I think you've got the skills, I think you'd suit it. And it was sort of a bit like enlightening and you're thinking, yeah, he's right. I I, I could do this. And he just yeah, sort of sparked yeah. the thought. Absolutely. Because sometimes you can be going along in life and you don't necessarily see skill sets that somebody else may not see. And funnily enough, it was that, managing director that actually decided to end my contract <laughs> at HSBC <laughs> oh. so all right um, so it was like <laughs> so it was interesting that oh. he actually said to me um to go and start my own thing which was you know it's, I mean sometimes people look at redundancy or ending of a contract or whatever as something really really bad but sometimes it can be a whole new opening for you or an opportunity and it opens up new challenges as well, because when I took a step back and um, looked at my skill sets that I'd 
gained over the years because when you're working for somebody, you don't necessarily see your skill sets outside of that environment. You tend to think, oh, it can only fit in that box, you know. But um, what I realised very quickly, um, even with my job and just generally doing stuff, is that how you communicate with people is your greatest asset. And um, if you can convince people to basically go with or agree to what it is that you have to sell or agree to what you're saying, mm-hmm. then it's it's a massive, massive skill um, to, to take forward and use for many other things. So... Yeah. Um, you know, that, that in itself was a, was a, was an eye opener for me. Um, so I didn't take the, 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 the ending of my contract as a negative thing, because it happens all the time in banking. It's, it's nothing new. I mean, if you're a trader, you can, one minute you can be there, the next minute you've gone. It's, that's just how it works. So I was familiar, I'm, I was very familiar with that environment. So, um, I didn't see it as a negative thing. I just saw it as okay. Well, I'm just move on to the next thing. Is that's how it worked in the city back then. But, but yeah. So it's uh, it was a it was an eye opener, and it, it was interesting that he saw um, certain things in me that um, he raised that I I I thought okay, well yeah, all right, that kind of makes sense. Let me let me give this a go, sort of thing. So then you had your two ideas, and, and were you not working at this? Did you have a little break because you had managed? To, and I guess you did you have you had your children at the time as well I'm just trying to picture myself as you at this time <laughs> was, was this 2016 2017 time then or, or yeah it was earlier yeah, it was, were, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, um, it, it, yes I did have my children they they were quite grown I mean um me and their father were still together um and uh we I mean I went home and told him that the my contract had ended and he was like kind of shocked I was like, well, it happens all the time, sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I didn't see it as a negative thing. I just thought, you know, okay, I just move on to the next thing because I've always been a person that's been quite um, innovative when it comes to employment. I mean, I worked, I started working at the age of 16. I've never been yeah. to university, I, I didn't like school. <laughs> um I couldn't wait to finish school and um I I just about did I actually went to school went to college and did a bit of coding um but oh wow yeah I was back in the day I was I was never I was never ever going to go to university like my sisters did my older sister and my younger sister because I just couldn't stand the structure of being in an (laughs) institution I just it just didn't add up to me it didn't make sense so I I I um I did not go on to further education after leaving school. I just went straight into work. So I've always worked um, and it's, um, I've always been the kind of person that looks for opportunities to, to, to move forward. So I, I just saw it as a positive thing that happened. And, and so at the time, you'd said you spotted a gap in the market uh, with OTC. Um, yeah. And I, I, get that's, I guess that's the kind of the, you know, the, the switch or the growing popularity in non-alcoholic drinks or what what was what was yeah. it that you sort of dawned on you well it's a number of things the the first thing I noticed is when I went to my father's um 
80th birthday party. His generation, they make homemade drinks. It's standard. That's what I grew up on. That's what his grandma, my grandma used to make as well, homemade drinks. And they tasted. And he's he's you said he's from Montserrat, is that right? That's right, one hundred percent correct. He's from Montserrat, and um, I, you know, we grew up on that stuff, homemade drinks. I mean, my dad used to make um, this other drink called Morby at home. You know, it's 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 just stuff that they, we make at home. And um, I noticed that um, these drinks tasted fantastic, and. Um, they were bringing the, the the older generation, bring them in in these like these reusable five liter cards and people just pouring out the drinks and whatever. And <laughs> um, I just thought, you know, there's there's got to be a better way of doing this because there's loads of different drinks on the market um, that back in the day, like 20 odd years ago, they tasted different to what they do now. There's, there's something that's been added to them, the grab and grow, go drinks. Um, that just doesn't have mm. that nice taste. And um, and so I thought there's certainly a gap in the market for, A, recreating the Caribbean-inspired drinks, traditional drinks, but taking it to another level where um, they can sit in, you know, a Fortnum & Mason's, a Harrods, or, or, you know, high-end stores, or they can be creating a brand that's premium and luxury because that didn't exist or that doesn't exist. And, um, you know, the, the ones that the, the drinks that do exist that are local to the Caribbean or they tend to be sort of like um, have like these street names or just kind of a bit. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but they didn't have that that premium luxury feel yeah. about them. So, um, yeah. And it wasn't a brand that many people or corporates could associate themselves with, which I thought was necessary for for doing. Yeah. yeah. So so that's why I decided to create something that looked luxurious, that, you know, could sit in a Bentley or a Rolls Royce. People would pick it up and think, oh, that looks interesting. What's that? Um, Yeah. And also a brand that has some kind of meaning behind it. Um, So... It was a bit of a research thing, you know, and these ideas just started flowing through my head. And then the next step was the how. And the the goal was to create Mm -hmm. something that's going to be as big as Coca-Cola. But then it was, how do I do that? (laughs) This sort of thing. So that's that. Love it. (laughs) Yeah, that was the, uh, the starting point, really. And and why was this after HSBC? Then you're kind of this is right. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on this for a period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or, or were yeah. you doing work as well? Or yeah, I did a few. Yeah. I did a few contracts after after HSBC. Um, I got contacted by Bain and Co, uh, which is a major mm-hmm. um, consultancy company like McKinsey, and yeah, I got contacted by them to do some um, consulting work. Um, because I used to work for a software company that was that was going um, public and uh, they, they wanted somebody that worked for that software company to provide them with advice. And so I became an external advisor with Bain & Co for about four years. So I was doing that uh, on the side as well. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I was doing the odds and sods, you know, um, consulting, still in the finance and banking so, arena. So you could kind of um, develop this idea, develop this business at the same time as getting a bit of an income. Absolutely. Yeah. So elsewhere, but you had enough time to sort of balance both. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. 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 So, um, but one of the things was, which was important to me was to um, go on a journey where I research exactly what's involved in, in, um, in creating a brand. Cause I, 
a drinks brand because I that's not my background. My background was in banking and finance, although, you know, it kind of has some synergies because, you know, mergers and acquisitions, companies going public, you know, corporate banking, you know, you're familiar with companies moving from, you know, private to public and, and all that sort of stuff. But actually um, being the owner of a company that could potentially um, go down that route was, wasn't something that I'd looked at actually being on the other side of the fence. <laughs> so, um, so you're, you're setting, you're setting the site, the bar pretty high. Yeah. The ambition's pretty high there. And, and also in the drinks industry, you know, it's quite competitive uh, and they've got these big, big players, haven't they? Yeah. Um, but there's, there's no reason why you can't sort of attract one of those one day <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean the yeah. thing is that I, I, and I think it was the timing has been really really interesting because um you know with we launched we registered the company 2018 launched 2019 and mm-hmm. um soon after that COVID hit right so um it, it, within within a few weeks of launching we got nominated for an award uh, with Food Matters wow yeah, and, and we did yeah. an event at um, in the Excel Docklands Excel, and we came third in that category. So um, that was really nice for us as a as a starting point because you know the drink was in an encasement and it was up in lights and people could see it and <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And um, it was actually there that I met one of the buyers from Selfridges actually, and I'm still in contact with him, although he's not his category is not my drinks are not part of his category, but um but yeah so it's um it's it's been uh an interesting thing because i i think you 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 have to you have to have an end goal when you start your business i d- i think you have to set yourself goals where do, i always think where do i want to be and you have to think okay i want to be here and it then it's sort of like you do the you then take the steps backwards as to what's involved to get to there um yeah but i don't think we you should actually look at um okay this fast paced um approach to your business you you have to do the stepping stones yes it's important to look at what your competitors are doing um but also understand that there's a certain path that you need to take with your brand and don't get disheartened by what people say um even though it's your mm-hmm. baby you have to sort of like remain focused on where you want to get to which is important because a lot of people yeah. aren't very good at doing that they tend to get sidelined by what people say and people say oh, do this do that do this do that but you have to really take control of what it is that you're doing um to to, to move forward with with on your journey and, and your end game yeah. so you you were doing a lot of research at the start mm-hmm. then in terms of you know how to produce this well how to build a brand mm-hmm. but um also how to kind of produce the product drinks mm-hmm. and yeah how, how how did you go about getting it produced and did, yeah. was it sort of in the kitchen or yeah <laughs> and bottling well it starts and all it that starts stuff? in it always starts <laughs> in the kitchen um so um yeah i i made the drink at home and yeah. uh, got the taste right um, which wasn't yeah. difficult because I'd grown up around that sort of stuff. So, and also got yeah. some help actually with um, 
some guidance from uh, one of the one of my dad's friends um, who's actually passed away now. A lovely guy, absolutely lovely man. Yeah. And um, but yeah, so it was it was basically okay. I knew that I wasn't going to make the drink at home. I knew I wanted to create my own taste and flavour of the ginger beers, the, the sorrel drinks, and also the lime juice. But then um, how do you actually finding somebody to work with to basically do the manufacturing? And uh, because what you do at home and what you do to actually manufacture are two totally different things. Um, you know, you have to put on a funny hat, white jacket and all that sort of thing and use spreadsheets and calculations to basically <laughs> work out how, how your drink should taste and stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a very technical process to basically create your brand the flavor and all that sort of stuff um and then test it get it signed off you know and then it has to go through you have to go through a whole process of um testing shelf life testing and ambient and all that stuff to 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 basically get your 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 product to market so it's um there's a lot of there's a lot involved in in doing in doing the work and that's that's the journey you went on. So did you yes. find a, a partner, a production partner? Yes. And and a lot of research on mm-hmm. getting all the 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 what she called the red tape to yeah. make sure you could get a sort of consumer friendly. Yeah, I mean, I I um I worked with them. I worked with a manufacturer. I'm still in touch with them now. I'm still well. I still work with them now. Um, also, you know, there's all the technical elements around your HACCP. There's technical elements around you personally getting. Um, your public liability licensing and insurance and food standards and being to a certain level because you know all of this stuff is 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 required um and uh oh this this just loads i could think about it now but um, did you have to do all of that before you launched then obviously when in 2019 that was all sort of background prep well, one of the, that is part of the background, but one of the things you also have to do is, um, you know, you need to agree what your logo is going to look like. Um, yeah. You know, you need to to basically train yourself around what's involved with, you know, doing the runs and, and stuff like that. And the design of your products as well needs to be understood and, um, you know, all the costs associated with doing a sleeve um designers yeah. and and stuff like that and then getting feedback from people um yeah it's a lot it's a heck of a lot yeah um to, to do and, and did you sort of finance that all with kind of like your day jobs and your mm-hmm. your sort of consulting jobs yeah. yeah and it was yeah that that was the way it was it wasn't like you had to take out a massive loan to no no um... no because um... <laughs> no you did it all yeah, yeah, I did it all um, by financing um, myself and uh, uh, just moving along that route to to basically, um, well, bootstrapping the, the business from, from the ground up, yeah. to be honest. And I think when you do yeah. it that way, it's, it's, it gives you a lot of, you learn a lot, you certainly learn a lot because you're having to do it yourself. Um, and, yeah. and also you, you learn a lot about managing your costs and stuff and and being, you have to be in a position where you you say no to certain things, but then there's also the flip yeah. side of that when you're actually building a brand in your portfolio, is you need to have a certain amount on your CV of things that you've done because mm-hmm. you know buyers mm-hmm. won't look at you if you haven't done certain events and 
you know you, oh really yeah yeah right. you have to sort of like showcase yourself that you've done certain things um to get to a certain place it's just part of your cv you know and being and then you know updating your linkedin and and being present on linkedin and showing what it is that you're doing and and all that good stuff so if you have food or or beverage products mm-hmm. there are there lots of like trade shows you can go to but they obviously cost money but they're ones where buyers might be so they're important to be at is that what you mean absolutely in terms of cv yeah that's right um there's there's loads of there's i mean the low and no beverage um industry has, has grown quite considerably since lockdown because i think i alluded to earlier that a lot of people now are on this sort of like um health tip and uh watching what they eat and you know vegan veganism has sort of like exploded um or plant-based food yeah. has exploded um since since covid uh, quite kind of ended although it's not ended <laughs> but since we were over yeah. since lock, lockdown ended and um i think people's habits food habits have, have have basically changed and uh on balance it's it's interesting because you will get people that you know they'll still eat the mcdonald's they'll still eat the processed food and all that stuff but but people are, <laughs> are basically focusing on what it is that they're putting in their bodies and you know they they want drinks that's why i think the drink industry has 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 gone the way it is because people are looking at what ingredients are in the drinks the soft drinks that i mm-hmm. decide to drink consume when mm-hmm. i'm not drinking water or i'm not on a health tip you know energy drinks are just they're just full of rubbish to be honest because you know that yeah. I mean, nothing that costs a 1 pound something is going to be of any good to you so uh I care yeah. what they call it but you know those those type of drinks are uh you know people drink them for whatever reason but um I think generally speaking people want something that's going to be more health help them with their their, their journey around improving their diet watching what they're drinking being more choosy about what they're drinking and spending that little bit more um on quality products with quality ingredients and so you had you had your product ready then were you able to uh, make some sales during lockdown oh, yeah. you know were yeah. you able to yeah yeah most definitely um i i i actually enjoyed lockdown it was brilliant i mean um the the the, the streets were empty the roads were empty it was, it was, <laughs> uh, you know petrol yeah. petrol or diesel was reasonably priced um, you know, it was fantastic. You know, you'd run up the road and it'd take you a few minutes to to go up the road and do whatever it is that you're doing. Now it's just, yep. oh, it's an absolute nightmare. But but yeah, we we went online um, because we had an online presence. That wasn't an issue. And then soon after yep. lockdown happened, then I think the government clearly realised that they needed to open up independent stores or stores needed to open. So <laughs> that was a great opportunity to basically showcase the brand and get into those stores for people to purchase the drinks. So yep. so that's what we did and it worked. So um means we're still and, here. And so... Was that just a question of um, knocking on doors or was there like a, 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 a book, a, a yellow pages of independent stores or, or were there shows that you went to? How did you sort of get into those and did you have any kind of challenges just or was it just quite easy? Did you find it quite easy to get them to say yes to stocking? Um, it was it was easy to get them to to stop but one of the things because you've got because you're a new brand one of the things is people don't know who you are 
So um, it's a balancing act because some stores are more proactive with regards to showcasing your brand. So we, we have the opportunity to do taster sessions. That's one of the big things that we do is always do taster sessions um, uh, and showcase that on, on all of the social media so people know who we who, that see the brand and they recognize the brand. Okay, yeah, that's OTC. So, um, but I think some, some, some independent stores don't understand what's involved with when a new brand comes on online you have to showcase it to people and say this is a new brand the drink that we've got in store would you like to try it sort of thing it's a bit like going into tesco's and when you're standing at checkout you've got all of those new products that you know they show you or when you first walk in you've got the concessions there and you've got new products or whatever um that's what uh, some of the independents need educating on you can't just take a drink in and think oh people are going to buy it they don't know about it they're not going to buy it so you have to have yeah. a, you you have to there's a certain amount of education around sales and selling that you have to to, to do with um with smaller companies so um that's one of the uh the, the challenges that uh, that we faced um but even so just work through yeah. it and um in instances where it necessarily might have dried up we've been able to come back around because the brand has has basically um, got some kudos now and, and get back into the into those stores um yeah and and, uh, and yeah and just specifically work with um sh- showcase the fact that you're working with um certain corporates and certain organizations like we're doing um we're working now with the uh Notting Hill Carnival um team we've been working with them for the last five years actually so we've oh, been, wow yeah we've been in the judges and the VIP area and uh, yeah. for the last when you say we is that is that are you are you partnering with someone to no the business, no I just, your... I, I just use the I you say just, we I just say we <laughs> I, say I do we. I do as well yeah. <laughs> I do as well and I'm yeah. like yeah. yeah it's just me yeah I, I <laughs> but, say yeah. we but um I do have people that help me like family help and I've got good friends that help yeah like a good friend of mine Nigel he's 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 um, somebody that's been working with the brand since the beginning and uh you know, he's been a really, really great help um, to to basically um, promote the brand and stuff like that. But um, so, yeah, so we've it's, been it's moral support. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, we we've, so we've been working with the Notting Hill Carnival Group since 20 since 2019. Um, so we put some skin in the game yeah. with regards to to working with them, because I think people like to see that there's a certain amount of longevity there. So um, we're now selling yeah. the drinks at the at the Tabernacle, and uh, we're going to their live evening events on Tuesdays, and just promoting the brand. Brilliant! And uh, you know, they're, they're tagging us in their in their um, social media and all that sort of stuff. But that you know that takes time, you know, because we're yeah. we're not a corporate. We can't shove loads of money at people. Oh, we just take it and we shove loads of money. That's not how we 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 work because it's. Uh, you know, it's a self-funded company, so we have to put some skin in the game. But if we put skin in the game, we want people to actually come back and support us going forward. So, yeah. um, but we are we are being found um, and recognised. You know, like I, 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 we we've done um, you know pop-ups at uh, Bloomberg. We've done pop-ups at um, Goldman Sachs. Um, we've got a few more coming up. And was that was that just through kind of working your network? Uh, being found, like yeah, just being found, being, being found. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, we've been found. 
uh, for specific projects that people have coming up um, that they they want the drinks involved and to showcase a brand to to um, staff and whatever. Um, but yeah, we're just being found online because I think um, I think people on the ground are basically wanting something different when they go um, to certain organized work when they're going to certain venues they want something different they don't want the same old what's out there not that there's anything wrong with yeah. you know a fan to cope but it's the, the same old corporate brands with the same old taste the same old this yeah let's try something different and let's support something different which is great you know um and I think the fact that we've been able to survive COVID and still be here and that we've been recognized by the industry We've won awards on the basis of that. Um, we've partnered with the London Press Office and St. James's House. You know, we've been assessed by the Great British Food Award judges. Um, it, 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 you know, in health and wellness, you know, we've been finalists in that. It's, it all helps with basically building kudos around, around the brand. So you yeah. have to do that legwork. Yeah. And, and so a lot of it is you've, you've chosen a niche, which... You've got the health side of it. You've got the Caribbean side of it mm-hmm. that are quite niche. Um, and you've built the product and there it is. So is most of your time now on marketing branding because the product is there? Or are you still kind of, oh, where, what other products can I add? Or do you think you've got your core product and now it's all about, I mean, one is you sort of got your independence that are Caribbean focused, but I guess you could take it outside of that and, you know, get other people that have never had sorrel drink drinking mm-hmm. that, but it's quite hard. It's I guess my first question is: Is it mostly now about marketing? Yes. And then the second is: If it is, what? How do you sort of decide where to go? Because there's so much you could do, isn't there? Yeah, there is so much you can do, and I think that's that's why you got to pick your battles. You can't do everything. It's impossible for you to do everything. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that you've got to do is you've got to constantly be advertising constantly be putting your brand out there i mean it was interesting i was in a in a whatsapp group and um and i was posting 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 and somebody came along and said oh you need you can stop now because we know who you are and i'm thinking what (laughs) what are you talking about i'm thinking you know mcdonald's a multi you know billion dollar company still advertises yeah you know why would i stop <laughs> you know and i thought well clearly yeah. this person hasn't got a clue about marketing so um but yeah so <laughs> it's it's you have to you have to constantly be putting the name brand out there you have to be constantly be show turning up um to and and, and the thing is it takes a lot of discipline and consistency to do that um and that's one of the things if you're going to go into running your own business you have to be clear about what is involved in doing it it's not as easy as it sounds um because people (laughs) see it and they think that it's easy um but it's not and um some people that's why, you know, most businesses fail within the first two to five years of, of launching because, you know, you, yeah. you come up with an idea and, and, and your friends will say, oh, that's a really fantastic idea. Go with it. It's going to work. People are going to love it. 
but that's your friends yeah. and your family. You know, they love you. <laughs> but people outside of that, you know, it's it's how you actually reach a wider audience. And um, that's that's that is the challenge, how you actually reach a wider audience so that, you know, A, corporates find you, B, buyers find you. Um, I think the buying market's changed. And I think that's because of mm-hmm. COVID and just the way that things, I mean, so many distributors have gone under. Um, I remember I was at an event, I think last year, actually, and uh, a major distributor, Tree of Life, um, the health store, um, they were at the event or their people were there representing the company at the event. And um, a lot of a lot of small businesses um, basically sent them products. And within a few weeks of sending them the product, the company went into administration. So people lost thousands and thousands of pounds of stock. Um, because they got uh-huh. all this stock in and uh, and they basically didn't pay for it because they just valued the company at that level with the stock um, that right. they'd gotten from the smaller brands. And uh, yeah, that, quite a few brands went under. So, so you, you know, you, you really have to be careful, particularly now with the way things are, because... Um, that's why I say a lot of people say, oh, you know, go for the big, go big and do this and do that. And, you know, you have to take a step back and think, is that, am I ready for that? Is that something that makes sense for me to do right yeah. now? It, it, just on, on that point, when you've, you've you, um, in terms of finances, like you, you produce, say you get an order do, or do you, can you make to order and, and yeah. do you have to give um, clients payment terms? Or, or can they pay for you? So, you, so you're sort of minimising your risk in terms of, um, you know, producing a load of drinks that you don't have a buyer for. Or when, when, how does it work in the drinks industry? Well, you do have a minimum order with your manufacturer because it's got to make sense for them to basically do your run your product. So mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you need to find a company that um, makes sense for you to run a certain amount of drinks. Um, so you, you need to have a conversation with that manufacturer as to what their MOQ or minimum order, minimum order quote is. But then that's just to actually run your drinks on the, on the actual bottle line or canning run, right? That doesn't include, you know, if you've got a sleeve or a label or you, your ingredients and all that stuff. So each ingredient has an MOQ with those suppliers. So those, you may right. only use a small percentage or small amount of a particular ingredient that doesn't mean that that manufacturer is going to sell you that small amount you may only use two percent you you they'll have okay well you have to buy 25 kilograms of this product you know that's their moq so you have to buy it even though only two percent of that goes into your product and then you also have to remember that, you know, that that has an expiry on it as well. So you, it's a balancing act with regards to um, your your um, your manufacturing. And, yeah. your and then on the other side, do the customers or the, the retailers, do they buy, in a, do, do they buy on credit? Or is it when you get to bigger companies, they almost get better credit terms? So then it's riskier. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 bigger, the bigger companies come with a bigger risk and um, that's why you know I haven't rushed to get onto you know the shelves because 
you know, it's not only the quantity that they will want from you, it's also the shelf space yeah. because high street shelf space costs a lot of money. And, um, you know, for your drinks to shit, sit on that shelf alongside a Coca-Cola or a Fanta or whatever, um, it costs you every single day. So getting the actual... Oh, so list- do you have to pay? F- yeah, yeah. You actually have yeah, to pay for your yeah. shelf space? Mm, oh, mm. right. <laughs> Um, getting oh, wow. a listing, um, you know, standard, it, it's going to cost you. Um, so you, you have to think about, you, that's why the whole marketing element comes into it as well. Um, once you get into um, a Sainsbury's or whatever, you have to think of what, what's involved with the whole marketing side of things because um, that's a job in itself. So, um you know, there may be instances where you can negotiate, you know, certain things and they might say, you know, okay, because you're an up and coming brand, because a lot of the bigger companies are realizing there's a lot of smaller brands out there now. So we need to rejig how we actually do the whole retail space and whatever. So they might have a a special offering for a certain amount of time to showcase the brand, see how it looks, see how people take to it, blah, 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 blah. And it's in case it's in framed or it's, it's got a framework around it. So yeah, I can go with and go at this and see what happens so that can kind of like work um in in certain instances and i think that's where the flexibility has had to come in with the larger organizations yeah. because of um what's because of what's happening you know people's taste buds and people's requirements are changing so um but yeah it, it does cost and you have to be willing to to do that to, to spend that money you know but you need to ask the right questions yeah. And what are your thoughts about where you're you're going to go with this? Are you working full time on it now? Or are you sort of still balancing your your interests? Are you are you all in on is this where you are at the moment committing to this OTC? It's one of my it's one of my projects. Um, I think that, that what, yeah. where I've gotten to now, um, because I have given it quite a bit of focus over the last five years, it's, it's come into the stage where it's. It, um, it's, it's scalable now, so we yeah. we can basically look at what what the next steps will be for 2024. Um, you know, we've been approached again by St James's House to do a project with them and Rolls Royce. So, and then there's other different wow. events that are coming up um, in uh, in 2024 that uh, we're looking at doing. We've been, had interest from from overseas as well, but that again comes with a whole host of different requirements particularly with the US and and things like that so uh, I mean even now with Europe you know going into Europe that's that that comes with a whole ton of paperwork yeah so if if you're going to step into that arena we need to make sure that the right people are on board in order to support that and and the right type of financing as well um, and that we have the right client base so that we hit the ground running as opposed to doing what we've done in the UK which is a familiar um a platform familiar environment um it, it's kind of like you have to hit the ground running where you're going to start you know making money and you have confirmed sales sort of stuff so yeah yeah, yeah. because it's I, I i guess you've got quite, how many um or you've got quite a few independents on your on your books at the moment mm-hmm. and then you've got your online sales yeah. so there's an element of I guess stability and income coming through, mm-hmm. but yeah, sort of having to balance all these 
yes, you've got a big a big retailer saying, yes, I want to stock my na- nationwide mm. store with your product. You've got that whole fulfillment side. And mm-hmm. there is a lot of, which is, I can, haven't even really, it's only just dawned on me. Yeah, you get that order that you, you've suddenly got to fulfill it. And mm-hmm. if you can't, then you're sort of, yeah, yeah, you sort of won and then lost at the same time. Absolutely. But, um, but that, then, then what you have to do is you have to be sensible about what, that requirement or that request is for you as a company and manage expectations around that. Um, And that's where it comes to um, being honest with yourself and also the, the, your client as to what it is you can and cannot do. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about um, running your own business and it, you know, it's not, it's very, very difficult and, you know, people make it look easier and it isn't. But I mean, you had a quite a, I guess, a, quite a uh, demanding job in the banking industry. So mm. I'm just wondering now you're so into the beverage business and running your own thing. Like, is there a, is it a different level of uh, demand or is is it more fulfilling? Are, are you getting what? How are you feeling now? Now you're sort of master of your own destiny a little bit more. <laughs> um. One of the things I will say when I worked in, because I worked at Deutsche Bank for a number of years, and um, yeah. I really enjoyed working at Deutsche Bank. It was it was it was really good, and um, it was it's such a huge company. I mean, it's it's the German equivalent of <laughs> whatever, but it's it and it was companies within within a company because um, I used to look after the data. So um, for the traders, yeah. investment bank and corporate banking. So it was, it, I, you learn so much from, from doing that role. Um, and it was, yeah, it was very stressful and you juggled a lot of balls and then you're traveling and, and all of that good stuff. Um, but it's always good to, when you're going through these sort of things is, you know, learning from the learning from the experiences that you have and I learned a lot which is transferable into this into this arena even though it's a different game um but I, I it, it it certainly made me disciplined um and you have to have discipline in order to run your own business and you have to have and you have to be consistent uh, with your time as well um because yeah so you that that experience is like pretty fundamental absolutely. to absolutely. what you're doing now. Absolutely. A lot of people knock, say, oh, I don't want to work for anybody. I want to go and run my own business. You can learn a lot from working in a, in a corporate environment and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations because then you have to step outside of your comfort zone and do stuff that you wouldn't normally do, but it's teaching you so much. You're going to make mistakes, but you will learn. Um, and that's what, that's what will happen when and then you can transfer that into running your own business um, I I would never say to anybody I wouldn't suggest to anybody to basically quit their job and just go 100% into you know your um, own business unless you've mm-hmm. actually juggled the two together um, yeah it, you, you need to you need that balance you know because everybody needs some kind yeah. of income <laughs> and there's no guarantee yeah your business is going to fly and you're going to be earning at your business, you know, X amount per annum that you earn as a, as an employee. So you've got to have that balance. Yeah. That seems to be, uh, the advice all round. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> um, and what, what, what are your, 
What are your hopes for the future then at OTC? Well, um, like I said, I, I, it would be perfect if we um, get to a stage where we are, um, you know, a big, well-known corporate brand. I mean, we're sponsoring, one of the things we're doing this year, we're sponsoring a National Social Media Award, so we'll be going to that next month as well. Um, so, oh, yeah, so that's that's going to be really exciting, which is good. So that, again, gives us um, exposure to to all of these influencers, you know, which didn't exist that much back in the day when yeah. we first started. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and one of the things I want to start doing is, is actually employing um, younger people, but also the more mature um, side of things as well, because, you know, a lot of people that are, a lot older now it's sort of like feeling you know left on the shelf or whatever but they have a certain amount of skill set which can balance out with the younger generation um who have different skill sets um to 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 employ them and actually getting them um involved in in the brand and understanding what's involved in in uh in running a, a drinks company or a brand like otc so I'm I'm focused more on the strategy where we're going, who we're going to be working with, the marketing yeah. people. You know, the next thing is to basically structure the company way where you have you know operations, you have marketing, you have distribution, you have NPD, all of these different stuff that can come out of um, creating a company. So yeah, sounds like an exciting time, of mm. sort of a tipping point with all yeah. this recognition and and um yeah, I will have to head down to Patty Palace and. Uh, have a have a ginger beer uh otc but ginger beer <laughs> thank you so much thank you for your story shirley no problem pleasure pleasure thanks joe